What am I saying? Hey. I thought you were starting. Oh. <laughs> hey, this is Shelby. And this is Courtney. And thanks for joining us today on All Things Macabre. things macabre we will discuss things under the topics of odd weird true crime supernatural and fiction this podcast contains language and content that is not suitable for all listeners so listener discretion is advised if you find a topic we are discussing interesting we encourage you to do some research on your own you never know what else you may learn we are just a couple of old friends telling each other stories that we find interesting. We hope that you will enjoy this episode and laugh along with us through stories that are weird, true, or fictional that will just make you say, what the fuck? And now, for the fun part. Hey guys, so it's Shelby here with All Things Macabre. Unfortunately, Courtney is still sick. She is very sick. She has gone through several hospitals trying to figure out what is wrong. She finally found a hospital that gave her the attention she needed to find out that she actually has a really rare disease called IIH. It's basically like a pseudo-tumor in her brain. So, she is going to be out as long as she needs to recover from this. We hope that she gets better very soon. I was actually talking to Courtney while she's up in the hospital, and she is really excited to not only come back, but our first episode with her back is going to be all about her and her case of IIH and what it is. So if you have no idea, you're gonna learn all about it, but she basically gotta have brain surgery, so it's gonna be a minute. But until then, I'm going to continue to try to provide y'all with some kind of content. She and I have talked about this. I've talked about this with other people. And I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to start reading some stories. Uh, I've got a request for Bluebeard. That will be the first story I read. The rest of them will be right out of Grimm's Fairy Tales. Tina actually just bought me the box set of the entire collection, so I'm really excited to read through those with y'all. If you have never heard of Grimm's Fairy Tales, they are a lot of the fairy tales that you have heard. Cinderella, Pinocchio, Little Red Riding Hood, but it's the original version of them. They're folklore that was passed down from mouth to mouth over generations and generations. The Grimm brothers actually came together and made a collection of these stories. So those will be the stories I'm reading. However, the first story, like I said, is actually in their collection, but it's in their first edition collection, which I do not have the ability to get my hands on, unfortunately. But it was very closely done by also Charles Perrault. He is known as the father of fairy tales. So this will be the story of Bluebeard by Charles Perrault. Once upon a time, there was a man who had fine town and country houses, gold and silver plate embroidered furniture, and coaches gilt all over. But unfortunately, 
This man had a blue beard, which made him look so ugly and terrible that there was not a woman or girl who did not run away from him. One of his neighbors, a lady of quality, had two daughters who were not really interested in marrying a man who had a blue beard. And what increased their distaste for him was he had several wives already and nobody knew what had become of them. Bluebeard, in order to cultivate their acquaintance, took them with their mother, three or four of their most intimate friends, and some young persons who resided in the neighborhood to one of his country seats where they passed an entire week. Nothing was thought of but excursions, hunting and fishing, parties, balls, entertainments. Nobody went to bed. The whole night was spent in merry games and gambles. In short, all went off well. The youngest daughter began to find out that the beard of the master of the house was not as blue as it used to be, and that he was a very worthy man. Immediately upon their return to town, the marriage took place. After a month, Bluebeard told his wife that he was obliged to take a journey which would occupy six weeks at least. It was on a matter of great consequence, and he entreated that she would amuse herself as much as she could during his absence that she would invite her best friends, take them into the country with her if she pleased, and keep an excellent table everywhere. Here, he said to her, are the keys to two great storerooms. These are those of chests in which the gold and silver plate is kept that are only used on particular occasions. These are the keys of the strong boxes in which I keep my money. These open the caskets that contain my jewels. And this is the pass key of all the apartments. As for this little key, it is that of the closet at the end of the long gallery on the ground floor. Open everything, go everywhere, except into that little closet, which I forbid you to enter. And I forbid you so strictly, that if you should venture to open the door, there is nothing that you may not have to dread from my anger. She promised to observe implicitly all his directions, and after he embraced her, he got on his horse and set out on his journey. The neighbors and friends of the young bride did not wait for her invitation, so eager were they to see all the treasures contained in the mansion, not having ventured to enter it while the husband was at home, so terrified were they of his blue beard. Behold them immediately running through all the rooms, closets, and wardrobes, each apartment exceeding the other in beauty and richness. They ascended afterwards to the storerooms, where they could not sufficiently admire the number and elegance of the tapestries, the beds, the sofas, the cabinets, the stands, the tables, and the mirrors in which they could see themselves from head to foot. And they had frames, some of glass, some of silver, some of gilt metal more beautiful and magnificent than had ever been seen. They never ceased enlarging upon and envying their good fortune of their friend, who in the meanwhile was not in the least entertained by the sight of all these treasures, in consequence of her impatience to open the closet on the ground floor. Her curiosity increased to such a degree that without reflecting how rude it was to leave her company, she ran down a back staircase in such a haste that twice or thrice she narrowly escaped breaking her neck. Arrived at the door of the closet, she paused for a moment, 
bethinking herself of her husband's prohibition and that some misfortune might befall her for her disobedience. But the temptation was so strong that she could not conquer it. She therefore took the little key and opened, tremblingly, the door of the closet. At first, she could discern nothing, the windows being closed. But after a short time, she began to perceive that the floor was all covered with clotted blood, in which were reflected the dead bodies of several females suspended against the walls. These were all the wives of Bluebeard, who had cut their throats one after the other. She was ready to die with fright, and the key of the closet, which had withdrawn from the lock, fell from her hand. After recovering her senses a little, she picked up the key, locked the door again, and went up to her chamber to compose herself, but she could not succeed, so greatly was she agitated. Having observed that the key of the closet was stained with blood, she wiped it two or three times, but the blood wouldn't come off. In vain, she washed it and even scrubbed it with sand and freestone, but the blood was still there, for the key was enchanted and there were no means of cleaning it completely. When the blood was washed off one side, it just came back to the other. Bluebeard returned that very evening and said he received letters on the road informing him that the business on which he was going had been settled to his advantage. His wife did all she could to persuade him that she was delighted at his speedy return. The next morning, he asked for his keys. She gave them to him, but her hand trembled so that he had not much difficulty in guessing what had occurred. How comes it, said he, that the key of the closet is not with the others? I must have left it, she replied, upstairs on my table. Fell not, said Bluebeard, to give it to me presently. After several excuses, she was compelled to produce the key. Bluebeard, having examined it, said to his wife, Why is there blood on this key? Uh, I don't know, answered the poor wife, paler than death. You don't know, replied Bluebeard. I know well enough. Since you have to enter the closet, well, madam, you shall enter it and go and take your place amongst the ladies you saw there. She flung herself at her husband's feet, weeping and begging his pardon, with all the signs of true repentance for having disobeyed him. Her beauty and affliction might have melted a rock, but Bluebeard had a heart harder than a rock. You must die, madam, he said, and immediately. If I must die, she replied, looking at him with streaming eyes, give me a little time to say my prayers. I give you half a quarter of an hour, answered Bluebeard, but not a minute more. As soon as he had left, she had called her sister and said to her sister, Sister Anne, go up, I pray thee, to the top of the tower and see if my brothers are not coming. They have promised me that they would come to see me today, and if you see them, sign to them to make haste. Sister Anne mounted to the top of the tower, and the poor distressed creature called to her every now and then, Anne, Sister Anne, dost thou not see anything coming? 
And Sister Anne answered her, I see nothing but the sun and making dust and the grass growing green. In the meanwhile, Bluebeard, with a great cutlass in his hand, called out with all his might to his wife, Come down quickly, or I will come up there. One more minute, if you please, she replied, and immediately repeated in a low voice, Anne, Sister Anne, dost thou not see anything coming? And Sister Anne replied, I see nothing but the sun making dust and the grass growing green. Come down quickly, roared Bluebeard, or I will come up there. I'm coming, answered his wife, and then she exclaimed, Anne, Sister Anne, dost thou not see anything coming? I see, said Sister Anne, a great cloud of dust moving this way. Is it my brother's? Alas, no, sister, I see a flock of sheep. Will thou not come down? shouted Bluebeard. One more minute, replied his wife, and then she cried, Anne, Sister Anne, dost thou not see anything coming? I see, she replied, two horsemen coming this way, but they are still at great distance. Heaven be praised, she exclaimed a moment afterwards. They are my brothers. I am making all the signs I can to hasten them. Bluebeard began to roar so loudly that the whole house shook. The poor wife descended and went through herself with streaming eyes disheveled tresses at his feet. It is of no use, said Bluebeard. You must die. Then he seized her by the hair with one hand and raised his cutlass with the other. He was about to cut off her head. The poor wife turned toward him and fixing upon him her dying eyes, implored him to allow her one short moment to collect herself. No, no, he said. Recommend thyself heartily to heaven. And lifting his arm, at this moment, there was so loud a knocking at the gate that Bluebeard stopped short. It was opened, and two horsemen were immediately seen to enter, who, drawing their swords, ran straight at Bluebeard. He recognized them as the brothers of his wife, one a dragoon and the other a musketeer, and consequently fled immediately in hope to escape. But they pursued him so closely that they overtook him before he could reach the step of the door, and passing their swords through his body left him dead on the spot. The poor wife was almost as dead as her husband, and had not the strength to rise and embrace her brothers. It was found that Bluebeard had no heirs, and so his widow remained possessed of all his property. She employed part of it in marrying her sister Anne to a young gentleman who had long loved her, another part in buying captain's commissions for her two brothers and with the rest she married herself to a very worthy man who made her forget the miserable time she had passed with Bluebeard. Provided one has common sense, and of the world but knows the ways, this story bears evidence of being one of the bygone days. No husband now is so terrific, impossibilities expecting, though jealous, he is still pacific, indifference to his wife affecting. And of his beard, whatever the hue, his spouse need fear no such disaster. Indeed, t'would often puzzle you to say which of the twain is master. Perrault's moral is that curiosity only causes problems because it either leads to discovering something we wish we didn't know, or 
At best, we lose our sense of wonder as soon as reality is revealed to us. It's uh, It's been known as a very controversial moral to the story. And just a small little thing about this story. Bluebeard is actually defined in Merriam-Webster Dictionary as a man who marries and kills one wife after another. It is called Bluebearding. Alright guys, that's it. Let me know if you liked it. I want to give a shout out to Jamie for giving me the idea on doing this story. He has been there for a couple months telling me that I should do this and it's been really good. I'm really glad that I got to incorporate this. So let me know what you guys think and until next time, I'll see ya. All research is done by Shelby Hudgens, Courtney Pylant, and Tina Collins. A special thanks to Tina Collins for managing us, and we are a lot to manage. All social media is linked in the description below. Be sure to follow us, and don't forget to leave a rating on wherever you get your podcast. If you have an interesting topic that you'd like to hear on our podcast, please email it to allthingsmacabre.pod at gmail.com. That's M-A-C-A-B-R-E. Did this episode make you say, What the fuck?